My beloved in Jesus Christ our Lord, when we preach on the gospel, oftentimes we put all the leaders of the Pharisees into one pot. And they're all anti-Christ, all anti-Jesus. Well, the reality is, they weren't all that way. In the Acts of the Apostles, we hear about Peter and the Apostles had been preaching, they were arrested and thrown into prison. And by the power of God, they were released, and they were back in the temple preaching again. And the Sadducees and Pharisees were, were arguing, you know, we've got to do something. And someone comes and says, well, these men you arrested, they're back in the temple preaching. And then they were really getting worked up into a lather, and one of them, Gamaliel, the teacher of St. Paul, would say, now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. He would say, do you remember Theodos and his 400 men, how they went out and there was an uprising and everyone thought this was it and it came to nothing? Or do you remember Judas of Galilee at the time of the census and his 200 men, when they gathered, they had this uprising, they thought this was it and it came to nothing? Gamaliel would say, if this work of these men are from men, if the action is of men, then it will come to nothing. But if it's of God, we might find ourselves fighting against God. Gamaliel didn't, set him, didn't live his life based on the opinions of others or appearances. He was willing to give a good listening and to hear for the truth. Another such man is Nicodemus who came to Jesus by night. And the gospel we hear today, that little short pericope, is from the end of that conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Nicodemus is another man who was very much interested in knowing about Jesus. He didn't come with malice or with the predetermined thing that he was going to crush Jesus like some of the others did, like some of the lawyers of the, church, the, of the Jewish community would come up and they tried to trick Jesus. Do you remember those gospel readings? They tried to trip him up. They tried to set themselves up as being more knowledgeable than Jesus, and of course he shot them down. But not Nicodemus. He came by night, yes, but he didn't want to be influenced or swayed by anyone else in their arguments. He wanted to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation. I want to get to know you. Who are you? What are you about? I'm not interested in what everyone else's opinion of, him, of you is. I want to hear it from you. And they enter into this really rich theological debate, or not debate, discussion. And Jesus starts talking about being reborn, this new life that Jesus has come to give, being reborn of the water and the Spirit. And of course, this blows Nicodemus' mind. How can this be? How can a man of age go back into his mother's womb and be born again? And Jesus says, Nicodemus, you're a teacher of the law. You should know these things. If you can't understand this, how can you understand the greater things? And Jesus would go on to talk about that. He would talk about himself. How does this new life through the water and the Spirit come about? Well, the one who descended into heaven is the one who ascended into heaven, the Son of Man, who is in heaven. 
He's trying to tell Nicodemus, I was there, and now I'm here, and while I'm here, I am still up there. We have a prayer that the deacon says when he incenses around the holy table to start a divine liturgy, the beginning incense. When your body was in the tomb, when your soul was in Hades, when you're in paradise with the thief, you are at the same time, O Christ our God, with the Father infinite and filling all things. He's trying to tell Nicodemus, bringing him at a higher theological level than he's done with any of the others, as only St. John can, can write and record of who he is, where he came from, and where he still is, even though he's in the flesh, in their presence. Then he talks about this new life, and it's eternal life. That if you believe in me, you will have eternal life. If you believe who I am, where I came from, and what I've come to do. But the hinge by which we go from who he is to this eternal life, this connection is the lifting up of the serpent on the pole. Christ's crucifixion. It is the cross. Jesus uses the cross as a means to bring us and him together. The uncreated with the created. The divine with the earth earthly. But that couldn't happen as it was. What would be required was that he would need to take on our flesh and then take all that was alien to our nature. Sin, corruption, death, and nail it to the cross. And with that, we would be capable of partaking in of what he is. Partaking of his divine nature, St. Peter would say. Participating in that divine life. And it is through this union made possible through the cross and the death and resurrection of Christ that we have entrance into the eternal life instead of eternal death. Nicodemus was very much moved by this conversation. Something changed him because no longer was he going to hide in the night. Further on in the gospel, we will find that Leaders, many of the leaders conspiring to have, they've got to do something with this man, Jesus. He's got to be stopped. And they were plotting against him. And Nicodemus is the one that stood up and says, where in our laws does it say that we judge a man without first hearing him? And later on, Nicodemus would be the one that would help Joseph of Arimathea take Jesus down from the cross. Public actions that he was doing. He no longer cared who saw him. And we learn in our Synaxarian readings that Nicodemus, as well as Gamaliel, but Nicodemus wept at the martyrdom of St. Stephen as Gamaliel took his body and buried it. We don't know what happened to Nicodemus, but we know his life was changed just in the brief passages that we read in Scripture from a man who was secret and quiet, all of a sudden doing things boldly before the others. He may not have stood on a soapbox and preached, 
But he did what he was called to do. Even when it wasn't the in thing to do with the rest of the mob. He went against the mob. Since when does our law condemn a man without first giving him a hearing? You see, he had a relationship. He went and met Christ. He wanted to have this meeting. He took the effort and the energy himself to go. And he was rewarded for the effort he put into it by having an intimate conversation and encounter with Jesus that would forever change his life. And isn't it interesting? That one encounter would not affect just his life, but it affects all of ours today because we hear about it. We meditate on it. We strive to live it. We are called to that same kind of encounter. You cannot love what you do not know, as the saying goes. You can know about Jesus, but that's just information. The only way you're going to get to know Him is you're going to have to take the time and seek Him out and spend the time with Him. So we need to read, we need to study, we need to learn the Scriptures and all these things. Then we have to, at some point, it has to enter into the heart where we have an encounter, where we pass into the realm of wonder, as St. Ephraim would say. That moment where we enter into presence and we begin to have a relationship. Christ came to have a relationship with us, that God might have a relationship in a manner that we as human beings can understand. Someone with a face and a form that is recognizable and understandable to us. Yes, He came. He came to forgive our sins. He came to die on the cross. He came to rise again and ascend into heaven. But He could have done that lickety-split right at the start. Why spend three years walking around teaching? Because he wanted to be seen and he wanted to be known. After his, ascension, or after his resurrection, why wasn't that, that just it? Because he made a point that everyone saw him, his apostles saw him, and that he was touched. He was palpable. He was alive and real. He wanted to be seen. He who has seen me has seen the Father. I am the face of God. Come to me. Have a relationship with me. Our God wants a relationship with each and every one of you. And as you begin to foster that relationship, you will begin to understand this love. And the more and more understand the unconditional love that God had for us for dying on the cross and what that really meant and means in our lives. So let's seek out Jesus in all our actions in our studies, in our work, in our relationships with one another, let's ask Christ, Jesus, be with me in this event. Be with me as I'm washing my dishes. Be with me when I'm engaged with a customer at work. Be with me when I'm with family and with, I'm with friends. Be with me when I'm by myself. Be with me when I'm struggling with the problem, Jesus. Be with me. And if we have a hard time with this, ask Our Lady to bring you close to Jesus. And she will do it. We are called to have an experiential relationship with our God. And it's fostered 
first by our learning and studying, but then going into the heart where God meets man. That place in the noose where you're above reason, you're above all of that, you're just in wonder, and the two meet. But to do that, we have to strip all our passions and all those things that the fathers tell us about. And thus we need a prayer life. We need to live a liturgical life, a sacramental life. But it doesn't just happen just in these walls. We have to take this liturgical life, the sacramental life, outside into our everydayness of life. Because our God needs to be with us in all our actions. We have to be able to recognize Him in the face of others. And even in the trials and difficulties, we have to see the face of God even in that. Because he's present with us there as well. But we fail to see it. So let's take a page from St. Nicodemus' book. Let's take a page and learn how to encounter Jesus with humility and meekness. With an earnest desire to get to know him. And in knowing him, we will come to love him more. And then we can go out with greater fervor, with greater conviction and more believable by others when we profess Christ to the world in the way we live our lives. Because it will be a real encounter. And you can tell others, I know him. I know his face. I've seen it. And I see it in you this morning. He is present. Just as I know the Blessed Mother and I know the other saints, Because we're a people of relationship and we're capable of knowing them, even those who have gone before us. We're not bound by temporal things in our relationship. We can have a relationship with the mother of God. We can have a relationship with our Lord, St. Joseph, St. John Christendom, St. Nicholas, St. George. We can have a relationship with them. We're not bound And we always seem to limit ourselves. But we're bigger than that. And God has given us the gift to transcend space and time. To be with all his saints and they with us. But like us, like them, we have to follow their lead. They took the time to foster a relationship, to ask questions, and to be in his presence. And then they fell in love because they really knew him.